All right, what's going on, guys? Welcome to episode two of the RMR podcast. Uh, here again today, we got Jacob. What's up, guys? Glad to be here with you guys. So uh, today, we're pretty much going to talk about our uh, upcoming 2019 season. Uh, we're going to do some some plans, share that with you guys. We got a lot of exciting hunts coming up. Um, basically, to kick it off, we're going to jump right into Idaho in in April for uh, spring bear hunt. We'll be hitting up Unit Eight Eight A and the uh, the northwest Idaho region so pretty excited about that I've been hunted that region for the past three four years had uh, lots of good opportunities uh, I missed a missed a brown like a it was a brown face black, black bear, bear last year yeah. who's really really nice really super pretty bear um, so yeah Jacob's gonna be joining me on that hunt yep pretty excited that'll be my first time over in Idaho well hunting, hunting, Idaho. hunting in Idaho yep. yep so I don't know I still think you should buy the tag I think we could, honestly we could make a weekend out of it. I but would be down. That's definitely going to be a. We should do it. That'd be. Yeah. So like, I think for non-resident, it's not that expensive. Honestly, it's probably like, I want to say it's like two hundred ninety bucks or something for a non-resident. For me, because you'll be hunting as a resident because yep. you have dual you have dual citizenship, which is amazing. Dual residency. Dual yeah. residency. Yeah, citizenship. That's silly. But anyways, yeah. So I'm gonna be running camera. You'll probably be the first one up to bat, and it's a long season. We're only what a three and a half no we're only about we're about a six hour drive yeah six I, hour I, drive I know it runs there. from from like mid-april like april 10th 11 right it opens like right after turkey season does yeah. and um we could put in we could I think it put ends, in some, for it some ends, days off work so. it ends right there in the beginning of june so it's a couple months a couple mm-hmm. months we can make make some trips over and possibly make some stuff happen absolutely um yeah so we're gonna be running off of a, running off of bait um yep. that'll be exciting um different for you yeah, that'll be a first. Be first, a first thing for you. For me, yeah. uh, like your pretty bear sweet. this year, we got pretty pretty darn lucky with yeah, it. Yeah, the bear we shot this year in 2019 in Montana, that was a that was a complete opportunistic moment for us as we were elk hunting yeah. and we, we happened yeah. to run into a bear. That was crazy. So that's, that's the craziest cool. thing I've ever seen to be honest. Yeah, you know, that I've, was I've, very intense. I've seen bears, you know, run with dogs. It's a pretty common thing back home, but I've never I've never seen I've never seen a bear in the woods like just walk, the amount of time I spend in the woods, I've really never seen. You don't run into them as much yeah, as you think really. you would do. And you know, I've seen more bears out of the pickup truck than I have mm-hmm. just walking about. So I think I've seen four bears in Montana all from a pickup, and then this one was the first one I've seen on like while hunting. Yeah, and I had a too. tag in my pocket. Yep, you're the only one of us that had a ta- yeah. that had a tag. Four, in your four of us were out there, and I was the only one with the tag, so I got the I got the opportunity to go chase it. So luckily, it worked out and panned out in our favor. Yeah, definitely, and it was definitely it was a was a very deserving animal you know she was old sow probably wasn't gonna make it through the winter probably not she, she that was probably her last winter she, she had her canines were her, nothing she didn't she, have canines yeah, she didn't i had really the skull now ground down to nothing yeah they were they were pretty crazy it was a really awesome bear to take so yep that was a, that was a cool experience um but yeah hoping to hoping to get one this spring for for uh for me so i'll have to change up my um my arrow setup a little bit because i run mechanicals i can't run mechanicals and yeah you're definitely gonna have to switch to a fixed blade change up to a fixed blade so that'd be that'd be fun for me i've shot handle with a fixed blade since my high school days it's been a long time yeah idaho idaho is different you know like they're definitely behind the times when it comes to uh like modern bow hunting i would say mm-hmm. and that's mainly because the <laughs> You know the um, 
the regs are are written and advised by a board, mm-hmm. and um, a lot of old school. Yeah, a lot of old school thoughts. guys are on that board. A lot of traditional bow hunters that mm-hmm. that shoot trad still today, and um, they just you know they don't, don't want to modernize they don't, they it. Don't I, I don't think it. so. And, and there's times when I I agree with mechanicals, and there's times I don't agree with mechanicals. And for somebody that like me, I, I've shot multiple animals. I've probably like six animals deep with the mechanical, and I believe in them. For the right situation. Oh, absolutely. It's all situational right situation. dependent, you know, and, and so. animal dependent too. Oh, absolutely. Personally, I wouldn't shoot a mechanical blade at an elk. Yeah. But not, when you get into the game when you get into the elk and above, I probably wouldn't do it. I, ha- I have hunted with elk for elk this year with the mechanical, and I, the whole time I had this unde- unde- undeniable feeling in the back of my head that I knew I was a little bit outgunned. And that's a horrible feeling to have when you're out there hunting. So... I do agree, and this year I'm gonna put my time into a fixed blade for elk, just to have that little bit of assurance. But I think it's gonna start off. It's where I'm gonna kick that off with that bear hunt here in Idaho in the spring. So that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, be well, super excited to get that going. Yeah, because in Idaho we can't we can't even use lighted knocks or you can't use lighted knocks. Nope. You can't use have, you anything can't have electronic anything, on your bow. Can't, can't have anything have electronic it. on your bow, including sight lights. You have to be very careful in Idaho with the regs. But that's anywhere. If you're hunting out of state, no matter where you're hunting out of state across the country, just be very aware. You know, put your time into reading the way the regulations because every state is different. Yeah, you got definitely, and definitely got to be careful. You do not want to go on a hunt. You know, you don't want you don't want to be saving up your money all year long, planning this hunt to get there and have a silly regulation um, misdemeanor that runs your whole hunt. That'd be heartbreaking. So just put your time into reading the regs. That's that's obvious, I guess. Yeah. But then again, I've never shot. I've never shot lighted knocks. I've never shot mechanical blades. So mm-hmm. it's really nothing different to me, you know, just because nope. I grew up, you yeah, know. You grew up right there doing. You grew up in Idaho doing that. So. So yeah. I kind of wish I did that. I kind of wish that was like that though, because if I had grew up not relying on mechanical broadheads to fly straight, I would probably be shooting fixed blades. But I was. I've been cutting corners for a lot of years and shooting mechanicals because it is the easier way to go they're gonna have less drag they're gonna have less surface area so they're gonna be a more forgiving more accurate broadhead that's yeah, just especially when you get out there past you know 60 yards oh yeah after definitely just shooting distance but yeah anyways um so i guess so start out we're gonna start off 2019 season with a with a um black bear hunt in idaho and oh also almost forgot I, there's a good chance that I'm going to be running lions, mountain lions, this this coming January and February. So back. I guess when I get back from when I get back back to Montana, so that's pretty exciting. So I guess I have a mountain lion hunt set up for 2019 as well. You working with the the chase and tail guys over there in Vaughn or no? I'm not. I'm, I'm actually working with a guy. His name is um, what is it? Toby. Toby. He's here in town. One of uh one of our friends put us gave me one of my friends in town tony you know tony the bow doctor anyways he he um he set me up with his contact and the the gentleman he runs hounds he just loves to hunt he's one of those older guys that just purely loves to hunt no matter what it is and he has some hounds that he runs cats and he said he told tony that if i go out and cut the track so if you guys listening that doesn't know that doesn't exactly know what that means that means i have to actually physically go out to the mountains and look for a fresh lion track and when I when I find it, then I you know call him and he brings his dogs out and we chase it from there. But he won't, so I have to go do the that and then he's, before he brings his dogs. That makes sense. So yeah. I mean, it kind of depicts on you to do the legwork yeah, for him. Yeah, I have to do the legwork. You know, yeah. that's fair. 
and he chases it. But super pumped for that. Super excited to do that. And um, so that'll kick off our 2019 season, I guess. Then we'll flop into Idaho for a bear hunt. That'll be super cool. And then after that, we will probably be running what? Um, what's next? The fall, I guess. So yeah. that'll put us right into the main big game season. Yep. 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 So we're switching – we're switching gears for next season. This yep. this year we talked about it in our last podcast, but um, this last year we hunted from the pickup from a base camp. Yep. And Every single day hiking in to the trailhead. Yep. I mean, a lot of guys do it and are successful with it. You know, just it's but a, it, it's yeah. a grind, man. It really is. Well, like it's, it's, a, it's kind of situation dependent, honestly. In the place we're hunting, we need to be hunting off our backs. We need to be. You know, it's too much walking. It's too much walking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not hunting. There's too much not hunting going on. There's too much walking. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it does make sense. And, you know, it's, what, four and a half miles a day that we're we're cutting out of there just on the hike in and out? No, it's eight miles total. It's four in, four out. Yeah. Now we're not hunting. We're just walking. So it's an eight-mile round trip that we're not even hunting. Just to get to the hunting grounds? Just to get to the hunting grounds. That's crazy, like. That's so. That's a lot of miles. Yeah. So. And you know, definitely, it, we can we can kind of play it by ear. Like, um, I'm hunting. I'm gonna be hunting unit ten and and twelve with my dad this this fall for in a little Idaho? bit. Yeah, in Idaho, uh, up there in the in the Lolo National Forest. So pretty excited about that. Um, my dad, he uh, he's switching gears this year, and he's he's jumping on the on the on the backcountry bus so yeah he uh that'd be fun yeah he's he's pretty excited about it he's been those two units i'm looking at them right now those are like almost like 100 percent public land that's yeah, like absolutely it's all national forest yeah that's crazy very that's very little private super awesome but yeah so for for that hunt um i think it's going to be about mid-september i think is what he wants to do it it's 94.5 percent public land yeah that's insane yeah you have the whole awesome. unit so. so yeah and that's just 10 10 is on the north side of the highway and and 12 is on the on the south side of the highway so um pretty excited about that it's going to be some rough country but um looking to make the best out of it so yeah and that you know my daddy's never he's never really gotten into backcountry hunting i guess and i haven't either really until until i came out here so it'll be kind of a it'll be an adventure it'll be an adventure yeah and it'll be he, a good warm-up when you come back to montana for us to do it here yeah yeah, that'd be that'd be that'd be sweet. Um, but yeah, like I said, but he's he's never really been the, you know, the kind of just hunt the backcountry. I guess I, we've always hunted from a from a camper or from the truck or you know. So I think how we're gonna run it this year is we'll have we'll have a camper available. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll we'll have a, a camp available from from the truck and uh, hunt at a, and hunt from your back for a couple yeah, days. Yeah, we'll probably run like three or four days at a time if we're getting into the elk, and if we're not, mm-hmm. we'll just pick up and move. So we're gonna do that for probably a week, week and a half, mm-hmm. and then I'll come back over here and we'll we'll hunt. So that's the way to do it, though. Honestly, for elk, because you got to stay mobile. You got to go. You got you got to you know if you're not in the elk, then you're not in the elk. You need to move. And they always say you're gonna find the elk where the elk are at. Yeah, the <laughs> so, elk are always where you find them. Yep. So. Don't be worried. Don't be scared to pick up and just go pick another drainage. I mean, you never know where you're gonna find that hot bull. So yeah, absolutely. All it takes is one hot bull, and your whole trip is changed. So and that's like the the struggle the struggle that I've had with with hunting North Idaho, and I talked about it last podcast again. Um, but the struggle that I've had with North Idaho is just the uh, the it's the wolf pressure, dude. Mm-hmm. And 
the wolf pressure and the and the people pressure and you know the amount of the amount of timber that they're taking out of of that panhandle area you know in in eight and eight a yep. it's insane yeah i i hunted last last year i hunted with dad and um we went to an area that i've that i've hunted for for years and they took pretty much the entire area like it was all bare mm. they logged all that timber out of there and it was just sad like it was honestly it's pretty yeah. depressing to look at those are all you know old elk grounds that yeah people absolutely just like and now they're just diminished dad was telling me that he was just chasing elk there in, during muzzleloader season like huh. last december and it was all timbered That's and they crazy. took that within a year like they took i don't know i don't even know how many how many acres of of timber they cut i would hate to know i wouldn't even want to know the answer to that yeah question. it's honestly it's, it's a monopoly game between the timber companies up there i believe it and between the you know the logging and the and the wolf like the the, the elk really have n- nowhere else to go they're gonna get pushed out yeah so i'm kind of excited to get into some some new country and <laughs> just experience that you know i know idaho is a, it's it's a phenomenal state for elk hunting oh absolutely it's phenomenal, but absolutely. you know the area that i've that i've been hunting for the for the past number of years hasn't been successful for that that reason just because they're so scarce you know they're not callable Eight, eight, eight. They're both. Right, they're both Like literally, the highway cuts across two of them. So, but yeah, I mean, just the elk there—they're not, they're not really callable. They—they they haven't been talking for the last number of years. Very rarely do they do they bugle, but it's—it's it's pretty sad, honestly. Yeah, because I mean, that place in the early two thousands probably had elk galore. Oh yeah, it was. It was probably an elk mecca. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's disappointing. But yeah, I'm pretty excited to get into that that unit and do some do some new new hunting with dad before he gets a little bit too old, you know, and he's not able to do it anymore. So we're definitely he's gonna he's gonna start getting the list together and we're gonna we're gonna busy hunt. So Yeah. It'll be me, him and uh Justin Grimes again this year. So Justin's a solid dude. I liked I liked hunting with him last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the harvest success for that area is like in the fifteen percent range. That's for eight. For eight, eight A. I think that's eight A. Yeah. Yeah, eight A is fifteen percent. That's low. That's that's pretty that's low. Pretty low. <coughs> There's a lot of people that, that kill elk there every year. You oh know? yeah. But and that's the thing. Like you, during during the, archery season, dude, it's a different game. Really? Yeah. That, I mean, that peak rut is like tipping right into rifle season. Like the first like two three days of rifle season, you're in that peak rut. Oh no kidding. Yeah. So then the early... I, I literally had a bull shot from underneath me with a rifle while I was bow hunting. That sucks. Because, yeah. like, he popped off first thing in the morning right behind me, and I started calling him, and he was coming up the he was coming up the drainage, to, like, toward me, and I was watching dudes from probably 600 yards off on the other side of the canyon, and they shot him, like, <laughs> from right underneath me. That, and that's another thing. Today's age, the long-range rifles, I mean, that's your thing. That's awesome. Yeah. Go, get, go get it. People are shooting animals a long way away nowadays. I mean, me personally, I mean, being a majority of bow hunter, we like getting close. And then even with a rifle, majority of my, I think the farthest shot I've taken with a rifle is 300 yards. Some people, that's like, that's like too close for some people nowadays. It's insane. But, but for the average guy, that's a pretty average shot. But I just like to get close. I think we all do. But, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. All right. Well, what else are we going to look into for 2019? I guess, um. Got bivy hunting. Bivy hunting for elk. That's going to be our main game changer, I think. Camp, so, on, camp on our back. You know, we're going to be hunting for roughly three, four days, I'd say. Maybe four, probably four, probably a good four to five days. And then we would return to 
re, you know, refuel, restock, kind of just relax for a day, and then get back out there. And you know, if those four days we're on elk, we'll go back to the same area. If we're not, we'll move. Yeah, we've got backup plans. The backup yeah, plans. We have a so lot of backup plans. We're gonna do I a do lot wanna, of I summer scouting. I do want to check out some of those areas that that I sent you on on X. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Those are gonna be some new areas we haven't been. That's what in like. So this is our first year bivy hunting. This is our first year hunting from our backs. So over the summer, like in the July, early August time frame, right, you know, when it's kind of like a lull between hunting seasons, we are definitely going to get out and we're going to go on like overnight scouting trips in these areas for two reasons. It, one, the, like the main reason is, to, you know, go run, go run trail cameras, go try to pinpoint where the elk are at. Even though that's kind of that, that's obviously in the pre-rust stage and they're not even, yeah. they're just kind of bastard up but those but at least we know where the elk had and like where you know what bulls are around yeah but the the second reason is to you know test our fine gear. tune and test our gear yep. see what we need in our pack versus what we don't need because there is items that we that we carry around that like how many times have we touch them maybe once if ever yeah exactly better, better just wait so that's the end but we don't know that unless you try and why do that on the game day, like that's I definitely know. Practice. I know after this season that I could cut out at least like a quarter of my pack. Oh, yeah. At least. I had some miscellaneous, miscellaneous stuff in there that was just not needed. Yeah. And um, so that's so that so that July time frame will probably do uh, hopefully three or four different trips into different areas. Just overnight, just yeah. overnight trips. You know, go in one day in the morning, like. and then stay overnight and scout the rest of the day and hike out. Yep. Test our gear, test our you know, and just build woodsmanship because. Being a wood, being out in the woods, being and you know, being creating that woodsmanship is not something that you just do because you know it, because you've read it online. That's something you do by physically doing it and being in the woods. Yeah. And as much as we as much as we want to be a bow hunter, we also are, need to be woodsmen if we're going to be bivy hunting, and be able to be you know savvy in the woods. So that's another reason we need to be out there doing well, not all only that. that. But you know, also being confident with the gear that we have, absolutely. Making sure you know, because it's it's the ultimate time to, to test it, you know, mm -hmm. in that time frame rather than, you know, when during we're, season. When, when we're in season and time's, it's too late. Time, time's limited. By then, if, yep. you're, if you don't know what kind of gear you have in September, you're, like you said, you're too late. So that'd be disappointing <laughs> to get in there and be too late. Yeah. And then after elk season, well, also we have antelope season in that same time frame. And I know, I think, so the last several years, we've all been going after the 900 by 20 archery tag for – it's an archery only tag. You don't you don't get a rifle hunt, so we've, that's where we've all been going after for antelope. And I think we're gonna change it up this year. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but there's a chance that I might go after a rifle tag this year instead. Yeah, um, I think change uh, it up. I think my my father-in-law is coming over for um, for antelope season. I think yep. that he's gonna try to do that, and um, we've got a family member that's got that's got land down there by uh, by Mile City, so we're gonna. Hopefully she's got landowner tags, so hopefully we can get in on on some antelope over there. And Absolutely, a lot of goats that way. Yeah, a lot of goats. Definitely. Well, yeah. So, and also this is this be my last year. I'm gonna go after some antelope bee tags with a rifle, so I can hopefully you know harvest an an antelope a doe antelope for meat because I want to have as much of the meat that I can't get back in Kentucky to take home with me, you know, when I get out of the military. So, I definitely want to go after that antelope doe tag as well yeah and so i guess then we kind of just got our rifle season here for deer you know 
that's always a great time. I, I was just a blast. I've already said it once, and I'll say it again. I will preach it to the, anybody who wants to listen to me preach, which is not very many people. <laughs> but um, Montana rifle season is the mecca. Like it's not the mecca for a giant. 200 inch mule deer i get that but it is the mecca when it comes to opportunity montana yep. is an opportunity state for all you guys that are not residents listening montana residents will probably want to choke me for telling everybody the, the secret but you cannot rifle hunt that's the key rifle hunt mule deer in the rut for an over-the-counter well basically over-the-counter because it's a draw but it's a very very high draw you're going to draw your tag yeah so you start to hit over the counter but it's still a super high draw you cannot rifle hunt mule deer in the rut, anywhere else in the in the 48, besides Montana, for this easy. Yes, the price is a little bit more expensive than most states, but you're hunting them in the best time of year to kill a big mature buck. Yeah, and anybody can do it. So any of you guys that want to come out west, but you just need to you just need to hunt at you just need to hunt to break the ice. Do uh, go after that opportunity. There's so much public land all across the state, and there's so many opportunities for for a big mule here. And the road is the time to kill my house. You will see a lot of bucks, but a lot of opportunity. This year at home, I think I went out three times with a rifle. My third day, I shot the buck I shot this year. And me, my buddy Matt, saw probably nine bucks, two monster bucks. We just didn't get an opportunity to, to um, put a shot on them. Yeah. But I still ended up shooting a pretty nice 4x4, four four, which, I mean, that's the kind of buck that you can come out here in Montana. And that's any, pretty average. He's a pretty average buck. Yeah. Anybody can kill that buck every single year <clears throat> in Montana. He's not a giant. He's probably 135 inches, if that. If that, that's probably being generous. 4x4, four four, he probably was on the younger side, but he was a great representation of what Montana can offer. And you can get great, you can get a lot bigger bucks than that, too. But that's a good representation. Yeah. All right, but we can roll into... The next subject, if you would like to, I guess that would kind of go into our application process, right? Yeah. yeah. So this year, this coming spring, application season comes around for all the states in the West. March fifteenth. March fifteenth. Well, that's for some states. A lot of states. Different states are different, but that's that's a good that's a good average. <laughs> for the, the non-res, for the non-res over the counter, or for the for the non-res. For Montana. Yeah, for application. Okay, so yeah, for so like that, so the application, so the, the end date. Application is yeah. due by March fifteenth. Okay, so the yeah, so the application, yes, like what he said, and. That's there's a lot of states out west that we you know that everybody would love to hunt. Everybody says, "Oh, I would love to hunt," you know, a you know Nevada mule deer, or I'd love to go hunt New Mexico elk or Arizona elk. Well, it's possible. You just gotta play the application game, you know. And if you don't start now, you'll you'll never start. You'll never build points. So, yeah. So this year, I'm taking. I'm gonna try to my. I'm trying my very best to apply for points for at least one state. Per animal, per mule deer, elk, and antelope. Per so one one state per animal, and yeah, like that's so you know in the in five years from now, I can say okay, my schedule opens up. I have the money, I'm ready to cash those points in. And I'm gonna go after the best dang tag that I can get. And I'm gonna go to a unit where, you know, it took me six years to draw, but I'm gonna be hunting mule deer in the 160 plus range and i'm probably not even going to shoot at a deer yet less than 160 because that's the opportunity you get in those there's a reason why those are harder tags to get yeah that's because the the, the quality of deer or the quality of elk is substantially better than over-the-counter areas yes of course you can kill those animals in over-the-counter units that's 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 definitely true but 
why not in the in the you know build those points so one day you can hunt those really awesome units so yep. that's what i'm planning like on we doing. were just talking about you you applying for that idaho moose tag yep idaho moose that's another awesome one that i don't even want to give that secret to people <laughs> but so the way idaho does it which is honestly the, the smartest conservation thing that i've seen in the west and i love i this is one of my biggest passions to look at all the western hunts and just dissect them so i know i've learned a lot about it but anyways what my, what idaho does which changes the game so for their moose sheep and goats so their mountain goat you know bighorn rocking on bighorn sheep and moose tags you can only apply for one of the three so like in other states you can apply for all three of them but uh, cutting it down where you can only apply for one of those species basically where you break you you spread out your applications to get better out to get better odds in those animals and another, another thing they do paired with that is that they make it a once in a lifetime tag so say you draw a moose tag you will never draw a moose tag again and i don't know if you're done so what that does is it constantly takes people out of running because now there's now they're split between what tag they want to draw for and once they do draw that's it they're done so that gives you great, great odds. As a non-resident, you can get as good as 25 to 35% draw rates as a non-resident for moose. That's insane. So if you wanted to, if moose is on your bucket list in the lower 48, that granted, the lower 48 is the key point because obviously Alaska, Canada, you can go do it. But for the lower 48, if that's your dream, you know, the Shires moose, that Idaho is the way to go. Look yep. at it and study the draw odds i would i would almost you know want to say that you, within five years you're going to draw that tag not sooner yeah and even, if you look even for growing it. up in that area in in north idaho mm -hmm. i have seen i've seen way more moose in the woods than i have elk that's that's crazy like way yeah. more and that's 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 the point go up there so, and enjoy the enjoy yeah. the resources that are it's getting. very very possible yeah. um one of my one of my good friends he uh he put in for that tag Ooh last year or mm -hmm. two years ago and uh he drew it and he was kind of getting picky with which moose he wanted to uh with which you know with which moose he wanted to take which yeah, yeah. For and sure. it got down to like the last two three days of season and really? yeah he had a, he had a little itty bitty paddle moose that he almost shot <laughs> and then there was a guy there was another guy in the same spot as him and it was he was like across the draw and um <laughs> This, this guy spooked up a bigger moose, mm -hmm. and it was actually the one that he ended up shooting, which it was a nice one. It was it was absolutely – it was a really, really nice bull for, for coming out of Idaho. And, um, yeah, he, he shot it with his bow 40 yards. That that bull died within 10 yards. That's awesome. Just, That's a bow hunter's dream right yeah, there. Yeah, it was, it was pretty awesome. He's got it mounted and everything. It's in his garage. But, yeah, that was, that was his once-in-a-lifetime – um idaho bull moose so yep. and now he's out and that's it like yeah it's very doable but, but that that's fair though that's a fair way to do it like yeah those and you can you you just you know go on go hunt and and do the research you know look at look at areas that have a high you know high success rate but also a meet like a medium a draw i would yeah. say a high success rate to yeah. a, like a low medium draw and it's very very possible that you oh, can yeah. that you can do it so. There's so many awesome opportunities. Like, there's a, like Go Hunt's a f fantastic uh, resource because you can go in there for any species, and you can you know you can counterbalance your draw odds versus your either your trophy potential. You you can mark it down between trophy potential, harvest percentage, 
public, uh, land. public land percentage. So whatever you're looking for in a yep. hunt, whether you're looking for a hunt that has a lot of a lot of public land, because you just want a bit of roam and really traverse, you look for you know that public that super public friendly unit, or if you want a hunt that has you know history for bigger animals, bigger you know like bigger bulls or bigger bucks. Type in the trophy potential. Those are probably going to be harder units to draw, but hey, you got to dream for something, right? Yeah. You got to dream for something. So the next thing that I wanted to touch on a little bit was, um, well, I guess let's keep talking about this application stuff and some future stuff that we would like to do as well. So one thing me and Caleb were just talking about here a minute ago was that we were going to try to pick one state for one animal, which probably can be elk because we just were big elk hunting buddies and we loved elk hunt together. And um, we're going to pick one state that we that is going to be a decently hard draw. So probably we're probably like Wyoming. five. Probably, probably what's probably most likely going to be Wyoming. Yeah. We're going to pick a badass Wyoming unit that um probably we're you know what what we're going to do is we're going to apply this year and we're going to apply every single year until one day we a have enough points to draw it the unit we want and then b we're going to we have the time where both of our schedules align and we have the money. That we can say, all right, dude, this is Wyoming year. Let's go here and let's put our, let's cash in the points. And whether we kill two bulls, no, one bull, no bull, it doesn't matter. We're going to go hunt an awesome unit that we've been just dying to hunt. And we're going to have an awesome time. And we're going to look for those units that have the big trophy potential. You know, you know opportunities where there are 350 plus bulls and bigger that have you know, the opportunities with that option, you know, like, like, those are bulls. Those are that's a giant bull. I mean, a 350-inch bull that would be for somebody like yes. us. That's that's a dream come true. Be a monster. That would be awesome. Yeah. So and, and then, I mean, we seen them this year. We did see them this year. We saw a couple seen of bulls a lot of, that were a lot of we saw 300-inch bulls. We saw a lot of 300-plus-inch bulls this year. So, and here in that was just you know, I mean, granted, yeah, we were on public land. We were, Absolutely, man. but we were calling them off of private the private land. That's what in Montana. What I've noticed is another thing that probably a lot of people wouldn't want me to say is play boundaries. Learn that's where um, stuff like Honex Honex yeah. Hunt comes into factor. Know the boundaries between private and public because guess what? El guess who knows those boundaries? The elk do. The elk know those boundaries. Yeah. So play the boundaries between private and public, and I. I have found way more. I have found a much better elk population near the boundaries. Much gooder. Much gooder, right? Much gooder. <laughs> but so. yeah, so. And then I mean, another application thing that I that I'm looking that I would not about you, but I'm looking forward to, is um, Nevada mule deer. That'd be I a good one. Put, I want to put my time in. Either Utah to, or Nevada. Yeah. Yep, yeah, Nevada or Utah. Pull, trying to pull a pretty cool tag in one of those states, and then, you know, that would be a I. I'm just as big into mule deer as I'm into elk. I know you're an elk nut. Caleb's an elk nut, but I, I'm also, I love big, heavy mule deer. Maybe that's just because I got spoiled my first year here in Montana with a dark-horned 170-inch mule deer that I just got honestly lucky and blessed with, but it kind of sparked my love for those animals. But Yeah. Yep. So, touching on that elk nut subject, yep. I have never killed a bull. Never. Long time coming. I I've, I've hunted. I've hunted elk since I was twelve. Maybe that's why you're such an elk nut. I mean, I've been hunting them every single yeah. year, and it's, it's just been blood, it has been a struggle. I mean, that's it's really it's the reality of elk hunting. You and know. You know what? You, just to, just to touch on that subject for a second, I'm about to brag on you a little bit. 
just to put how selfless this man is, he's in Benel County since he's 12 years old, hasn't killed a bull yet. Obviously, he wants to kill a bull. Last year, he set a back burner for our good buddy Matt and called for him for a lot of the season and, um, you know, really put his time into it, his time, his time and his heart into getting us all elk. He put himself on a back burner knowing that we're not residents of a state that has elk hunting, being from Kentucky, that he put himself on the back burner up to allow us to be the primary shooters, shooter. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, but, but, yeah, so, I mean, it's it's reality of elk hunting, you know, just not, not you know, you're not going to kill one every single year. There's guys that do, and they're the greatest elk hunters in the world. You know, guys, guys that kill them every single year successfully. successfully. You know, all over the land. If you notice, those guys are generally older and have been there. And they have the experience underneath they their belts. The yeah. So. so, and that you know, that's mainly why they kill them every year. It's because they had that experience. They've they had the, the struggle. You know, so you know, I I love elk hunting. I'll say that all day long. I love elk hunting. I'm I'm a decent caller. I would say. I'd say you're a little bit better than decent. <laughs> you know, I, it's pretty good. I'm a, de- I'm a decent caller, but, um, you know, me never killing a bull, like mentally, it does kind of handicap me a little bit, oh, you yeah, know, sure just because, you know. I, it's, hanging I, over I, your, it's hanging over your head. You, you know, know <laughs> I, I might have I'm a little bit more or a lot of bit more knowledge, you know, over you guys coming yeah. from back east. Over, never hunting you know, these, never hunting these a day in our life. <clears throat> you know, over, like hunting, hunting elk, and you know, just the, the tactics and and how you want to go about it. But then again, you know, kind of, it's a double-edged sword because I can't, I can't really say much because I've never really shot, I've never mm-hmm. shot one. I've shot a cow. Yep. You know, I shot a cow right before I shipped out to basic on that early depredation hunt, August third of twenty sixteen. Mm-hmm. So I shot, shot my first elk that year by myself. And, um, I mean, it really, it's just been a mixture of hunting an area where there's not a lot of elk mixed with, you know, not really having, uh, how do I put this? Like, not really having the, the opportunity in front of me, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, yep. and that's that's just been a, a constant struggle, you know, throughout my hunting career. But, you know, coming out, coming to Montana, which is, you know, six hours away from home, but um, coming out here definitely opened my eyes and realized that there is like it's so much better it's so much better over here you know and it's it's a it's a gold mine dude like i don't i don't want to leave because it's literally like the best it's the best it's the best elk hunting i've ever experienced and you know for me to be able to expand my knowledge and expand you know my my skills and and experiences you know coming over here and, and calling for you guys you know that I feel like that just makes me like that much that much better, you know. But uh, yeah, this year I did kind of I did kind of play the back burner, and I, that probably did hinder my opportunities to to shoot something. You know, I I only I I shot one arrow this year and missed. You know, it was just a kind of a last minute thing. Caught us with our pants down. So happens a lot. Seems like. And all of this, yeah. Your yeah. So that's that comes with That's, that's, that's yeah, one thing that I need to know is just, I guess, range, range judging. You know, mm-hmm. you don't always have time for rangefinder. Rangefinders are great to have. You know, you can absolutely, if you're if you're ambushing and something's coming into your call, you know, then you can absolutely, if you have time, range those yardages and and you know, 
where you think they would they might come through, or even something close to that. But I I had nothing to go off of really. I shot for 60 yards in that bowl. Was it like 52? Yeah. Downhill, so. It's probably you should yeah you'd even want to cut a few yards off that yeah so and I so. I whipped it but you learn. that's how it goes we've all missed animals trust me you learn. so my my first year in Montana I missed a a big a pretty nice antelope and then the next year I shot a pretty nice one so hopefully this year you miss your your bull so hopefully this year you'll shoot a nice one right it'll happen it will I honestly believe I honestly believe it will hunting so. hunting Idaho and Montana mm-hmm. hopefully. Thank you. I said that this year, but hey, Lord willing, Lord willing, it'll happen. All right. So well, moving into so we got long term, long term versus over the counter. So this is one other thing that I'm wanted to talk about with you guys is, um, of course, we're bat, we're passionate about trying to you know, you know, put in for points and build points and want to go hunt on these awesome units. But here's but the, the, the double edged sword of that is is you might only get to pull a tag every once. Every five, six, seven, maybe ten years. So that's where you—that's where the long-term versus over-the-counter opportunities coincide, because nobody wants to hunt once every five, six, seven years. That's ludicrous. We want to hunt every single year. Plus, for skills-wise, if you only hunt elk once every ten years, you're not going to be a very successful elk hunter when you get that hunt of a lifetime. Yeah. So that's when over-the-counter states. For each of these animals come into come into factor because it allows you to hunt these animals when you're building points. It allows you to go in there and hunt animals and still have a good opportunity, good public land, good trophy potential, but you're hunting them every single year. So that's what the so like, you know, you kinda of gotta play it, gotta come in yeah. coincide. So like you look at you take Wyoming for example. Yeah, Wyoming for long term. Yeah, so that's that that'd be like a long term state, right? And then you look at Idaho. Yeah. Idaho is a very, very Financially available state yep. to over-the-counter elk hunt in. I think it's like. If you're with Colorado, yeah. I would say those two states are the states. If you're going to hunt elk hunt over-the-counter, you don't want to go to Idaho or Colorado. Yeah. Just, just price-wise, because I mean, price the, wise, the price of an elk tag in Idaho is half of the the price tag in Montana. Yeah. The price, is. The, you know, the over-the-counter price for Montana is like eight. Eight something. Eight something, and then, and then in Idaho it's about four eighty. Yep. So. So that's what. So that's that's the thing, guys. You guys. If you just go on, excuse me, either go hunt, you know, go on go hunt and Onyx Maps, do your research, figure out where these over-the-counter tags are at, you know, figure out the public land inside them, look, do your online scouting, and plan a trip. Worst case scenario, you, you don't you don't kill a bull, you don't kill a buck. But you're going to see beautiful country, you're going to have, you know, just an absolute blast. And there's nothing holding you back besides yourself because you're able to do it or you're not – You'll have the experience. That doesn't mean nothing. You're not if you never if you always had that mindset that you can't do it. You're not going to do it. Like how many how many guys do you know back east that would love to hunt out here but just don't every single person think that I they can. every single person I grew up with besides one person who actually came out here. It was his name's Mitchell, and we're gonna have him on the show one day to talk about um, just we're, we're, I like to have him on the show one day and have him sit in and talk about an eastern's point you know, eastern hunter's point of view when they come out west and you know his. His, you know, his dreams and hopes and his um, potential of coming back out west. But anyways, yeah, it's like, I know all of you guys want to do it. It's it's obvious that everybody wants to come out west and hunt, but that's how I was. Growing up in Kentucky, I dreamed of coming out west and hunting, and 
I always thought I'll never be able to do it until I have money to afford an outfitter. Yeah, that's, that's baloney. That's, that's, that is that's so much baloney. A lot, of, a lot of guys look at it. Yeah, they think, they, they think they think you need an outfitter. That, yeah, they think that you need an outfitter because they don't know where to go. Well, they have these these resources nowadays. You know, go hunt on X Maps. You don't need an outfitter. You to don't do need it. anything else, and you need you need nothing else between go hunt and on X Maps. And yes, you have to pay for both of them. But if you're serious about coming out west and hunting, you'll pay the small the small price as it is to go out there and experience the high country of Colorado hunting mule deer in the upper basins. That is the most beautiful country you'll ever see. Or you're going to experience the elk rut in Colorado or Idaho or Montana, or you're going to experience that bull screaming, and you're never going to want to, you're never going to, you're never going to lose that feeling of that first bull screaming at you. Yeah. Like, that is the experience that will shake you to the core. And if you don't, if that doesn't shake you to the core, you probably shouldn't be an elk hunter at that point. Probably should, yeah, we probably should go back and be a bass fisher or something, which I'm not knocking bass fishing, I love bass fishing. But that's my point. I mean, that's not, if, you, if that elk screwing your face doesn't make you an elk in every year, then I don't know, you just don't let elk hunting. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, I think it would take yeah. a pretty unique person to not enjoy that. Not want to enjoy it, yeah. yeah. But so for also, like, I guess let's hit some more over the counter stuff. So here's some more opportunities for you guys that. Are listening um, for mule. Let's talk. Let's switch over to mule deer because you know that is another species out west that people love as much as we love elk. There's a lot. You know, we all love mule deer too. So for all you long-term guys looking to um, the Nevada, Arizona area, like those, there's some amazing. I'm talking humongous trophy potential units that are hard to draw. They're going to be. They're going to take you several years. But if you, when you draw them in ten years or five years, whatever it takes to draw. You're gonna be going in there with like you're gonna be going in there looking for a buck over 170 and probably over 190. Like there's opportunities in units that have that consistently. That is mind blowing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Those are once in a lifetime bucks. But at the same time, nobody wants to wait that long for just one hunt. So in the meantime, while you're building those points every year, there's op- there's over the counter opportunities. There, that's right back into Colorado high country. If you one is, you know, that's when you can get up there in the 13,000 plus feet elevation and go hunt mule deer up in the mountains. Like, that is like, that's the poor man's sheep. That's the poor man's sheep of Alaska, right? Like, instead of going to Alaska and hunting the sheep in the, the humongous basins, go to, go to Colorado and hunt mule deer. You're doing the same kind of stuff. Yeah. And it is big velvet mule deer, and the weather's, it can be unpredictable with, like, thunderstorms and rain but other but besides that you're going to be pretty it's going to be pretty warm it's an august hunt it's going to be pretty warm mm-hmm. to you know give or take and then of course and then another and then so then you got montana for an over the counter for it's not over the counter but it's a very it's a almost a 100 percent draw rate for mule deer with in the rut with a rifle that's awesome yeah and then another awesome opportunity that i would just have to like really preach this one as well is I know I said Arizona was a long-term hunt, and yes, it can be a long-term hunt, but more importantly, it can be uh, over-the-counter opportunity. And what, and what this this kind of effect is, you can get an archery only. So if all you bow hunters out there, you can get an archery only deer tag. So that's good for either mule deer or coos white-tailed deer, which is another portion of that deer slam. So that's coos white-tailed deer or mule deer you can hunt with that that tag. And it's in January, and it coincides with the rut of both years, because down in Arizona, they rut a lot later. So as after all your main season are gone and over, and you're fighting the bitter cold of wherever you're living, 
go down to Arizona, 60 degree weather, riding mule deer, goose deer with a bow, and, and you can even pick up a javelina tag. Yeah. That's a bow hunter's paradise. Yeah. Like, absolutely. That's something that we need to do one year. We just need, like, hey, we had the time off. Let's go, let's go hunt mule deer in January when there's nothing else to do. Yeah. Like, that's pretty sweet. Like, that's an opportunity you guys need to look into. That is not a specific tag. I want to say it's only like 300 bucks. I can find out in a second. For that Arizona tag? Yeah, it's not much at all. I think Arizona, is that a is that a draw on the oak tag? I believe so. I don't think there's any over-the-counter. I could be wrong, but I don't think there's any over-the-counter opportunity for um, elk in Arizona. But there is humongous, um, for non-residents, excuse me, for non-residents, um, there's awesome awesome trophy potential in arizona for elk though yeah i mean huge elk, huge bulls get shot out of 400 inch bulls get shot out of arizona every single year for a non-resident is 315 dollars for a deer tag that is that's that's easy peasy come on like you excuse me that's not easy peasy for for the average Joe, but that's that's affordable. It's pretty cheap when it comes to that's, like a trophy. That, yeah, for like a, a trophy, trophy tag. For yeah. a trophy tag, Mon, to give you an example, Montana's over six hundred bucks for a deer tag. This is half the price. And that's just over the counter. That's right? over the counter. You you don't have to buy that tag till you drive down there. You drive down there, pick up a tag in a local sporting goods store, and you're hunting mule deer with a bow and arrow in the rut, and awesome temperatures. You know what I mean? Uh, in Arizona, in that time of year, it's beautiful. Go watch, go watch videos about it. It's it's sweet and it's not that expensive. It's a completely affordable tag. I personally will be hunting, will be go hunting Arizona in the next three years. Yeah. Mark my words. I'll be hunting. I'll be go hunting there in Arizona. But yeah, I guess what else do we got going on? Um, I think that pretty much wraps it up. Let's talk about some future dream hunts. All right. Well. What's your, if you could pick one hunt, this, that's like your absolute, like, dream hunt, what do you think you would pick? Anywhere in the world, any species? Alaska caribou. Alaska what? Alaska caribou. Alaska caribou? Yep. That's a, that's a bad, that's a pretty cool animal. Um, why do you think that would be your dream hunt? Oh, I mean, really, the, the caribou's not in the lower 48. Yep. So, I think it'd just be, you know, if they're like, they're pretty much like the elk of Alaska, mm-hmm. so pretty similar looking animal. Well, similar size, yep. you know. Beautiful racks, I mean, just points everywhere. Beautiful shovels coming off the front. I'd either pick that or a red stag hunt in, yeah. in New Zealand. A red stag in New Zealand. Those are awesome. those are definitely my top two. I have so many dream hunts I can't even begin to whittle them down. But I think my number, one of my number one dream hunts would probably be. I'd have to say an Alaskan sheep hunt. Some kind, I mean, I'm talking like a 10 or 12 day just in the nastiest country of Alaska has to offer. Like something that's going to make me not want to be there while I'm there, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, yep. I want something that's going to test me mentally and physically to the brim. Like, and if I can't, I, you know, I want to see if I can, you know, that's, that's what I want to do. But that I guess that would be like my ultimate, like, absolute dream hunt. But then I guess... My ultimate bow hunter is like, like, like bow hunting frenzy dream hunt that's super achievable is Hawaii. I don't know yep. about you guys that have talked. I don't, we haven't. We, I know on this podcast we've never talked about Hawaii, 
but there's some super bow hunting friendly opportunities in Hawaii. It's just Axis deer, Axis hogs. deer, hogs, Korean rams, like just some sweet hunting. And there's no tags. And no, it's most, all you just buy license. You just and buy you a hunting can... license, and you can go shoot whatever you want. There's no bag limits. You can go shoot. And Axis deer is supposed to be the the number one wild game meat and taste and um t- in reference to taste. I mean, and they're a super turned on animal. That animal is super alert. I mean, super hard to hunt very hard to bow hunt so that would be a super fun like bow hunting challenge i think and plus yeah. you're in hawaii you're like imagine hunting on the cliffs the tropical cliffs of hawaii overlooking the pacific ocean how how awesome would that be right yeah it'd be pretty it'd be pretty sweet that'd be a sweet opportunity you know plus the wife can enjoy the beach yep. while i go yep. bow hunt so <laughs> yeah you can make you know make it a two for one a yep. bow hunting slash pleasing the wife so that'd be pretty cool yep well, I think we're cutting into, what are we at, 49 almost? Yeah, right for, that's pretty good. So, anyway, we're going to tune off for now and uh, bring you guys another one next week. So, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks, guys. See you guys later.